good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good potentially three to four o'clock hour. I'll admit every once in a while, the old biological clock doesn't quite work right. And I find myself up at the crack of dawn. And what better way to spend the first few hours before every single human in your vicinity wakes up than by listening to us, the Dan K show presents. And we've got somebody else on this podcast today who you may have already listened to potentially without realizing it. Potentially you've tuned in specifically for him, but regardless, you're going to be tuning in quite a bit after this podcast is over. But before we get to our guest, I'm going to get to a man who you don't have a choice if you want to listen to him or not, because gosh darn it, love him or hate him. He is a USPHL national broadcaster and his name is Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. Lucas, that's right. And one of the things I pride myself on is not my ability to broadcast, but my accessibility as a broadcaster. And you can find me anywhere. And, you know, when you, it, it, what you can't do, make up for with accessibility. Put yourself in front of people. You know what I mean? It's, it's the idea of just, just keeping yourself front of mind at all times. And I try to do that. And you, you talk about waking up early, Lucas. You talk about your biological clock being off. I, you're talking to a guy who doesn't sleep. This is the guy. i am just been... Since sports have kicked back in, Lucas, I have been around the clock 24-7, very little sleep, running all the time, ready to go, and excited. And with that, we have a big-time guest this week. We have a guest this week that mirrors what the Dan K Show does in terms of lack of sleep, extreme effort, getting around to every single broadcast he can put his voice on. This is a guy that is the Chick Hearn of the modern day. This is a guy who is the, the accoutrement to the Dan K show at times. And, and this is, this is my go-to guy when it comes to USPHL NCDC hockey knowledge. When, when I can't get the Lucas, I go to this guy because he's just got the inside. He's got the juicy scoops. He's got those juicy scoops. He works with the Edmonton Oilers. I apologize for that to him right now. He's in the Boston area and he is Alex Thomas. Alex, what's going on? I know much, guys. Just staying busy. Good to hear. Uh, late in the summers, we're starting the ramp up for hockey. Good to hear you guys. Hey, it's good to hear you as well. I am always excited when we get a chance to talk with you. We're going to talk about everything. I promise you right now, though, Alex, I will limit the Oilers talk because we got some time. <laughs> I'm going to let that settle a bit. As a Rangers fan, I got the first pick. I'll take my sweep against the Hurricanes. I think we're in the playoffs for about seven minutes this year. We weren't far behind on that one. That was, I think, like 15 minutes. But, hey, you know, you get the consolation prize. You're going to be feeling pretty good about that. I'll take that, man. That's going to be a big-time first pick there in Lafayette. It's going to be it's gonna be a big add to this team. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to talk to Alex. But first, we got to pay those bills. And, Lucas, we got a big week this week in the beer for the parents, coffee for the rest of us with uh, Lucas Jones, Dan K. Lucas, your review comes first. Let's start off. Let's pay those bills. Well, I, I have picked a beer in honor of our guest, uh, who, is, who is a New Englander. And, and if you're in the New England region, you know the Jack's Abbey brand. It's, it's got that Argyle pattern on the can. It's got the old-fashioned lion, griffin, kind of a, an old-school sigil, if you will. But Jack's Abbey is a craft lager brewery. And so all of their beers are based around the idea of a lager. Uh, without going into the, the extremely long history of beer, there's ales and there's lagers. If you have had, uh, if you, have had you know, a, a beer that tastes like bread, if you have had a yingling, perhaps, you know that lager flavor. 
but Jack's Abbey has taken the lager and turned it into an art form. This is the Smoke and Dagger Black Lager. It's 5.6% alcohol, 25 IBUs, so not that bitter. But the signature flavor of this is smoke. So if you have ever had a, a thick smoked brisket, if you are a fan of uh, Elay scotches or smoky scotches or whiskeys, you know this flavor and it really pairs well with that black lager base. It comes off as very earthy. Uh, it comes off as very rounded. It's not a sharp smoke flavor. It's not overwhelming. It's extremely smooth. Um, the black lager base, like I said, is not bitter. It's not sweet. It is this, this mix of bold flavors and insane, insane drinkability. Um, and if this is a, uh, if the smoked lager is not up your alley, I really encourage you to try almost anything from Jack's Abbey because they have hoppy lagers. They have fruity lagers. They have a beer that's just called beer and it's supposed to be their house lager. So this is a brand that every time you go up to Massachusetts, I grab as much as will fit in Dan's ever-changing array of cars uh, and try to ship it home with me. <laughs> Lucas, that, that ever-changing ever array of cars is only because my main car caught on fire. The Dan K-Mobile had a bit of a brake lock issue. It was locking up on me, and things went wrong pretty fast. But we've got a new Dan K-Mobile, so you don't got to worry about that anymore, and it can fit as much of the Jack's Abbey as you want. And that beer beer sounds like it's right up my alley. Oh, it's it's perfect. It is it's beer spelled B I E R. Uh, it's their house lager. Oh, it's I don't smooth. like it now. That's too much thinking for me. I don't like it. <laughs> too much. Too much. <laughs> What's the score there, Lucas? I really like this one. Um, I've never actually gotten my hands on this. I've always tried. I've never been able to find it. I now have a source in New Jersey, uh, which I'm very happy about. I give this one. I give this one a seven eight because I think it could have more smoke flavor um so personally it's a seven eight but i think in terms of the general masses of a drinking beer it is the perfect amount of smoke without going overboard i love it love the score i'm gonna get into my coffee review now and normally i'm talking about coffee that gets me through the day today lucas i have a little twist for us i have a coffee that i like to cap off my day with and cap off a good meal and one thing i love about where i live right now is i am just eight minutes away from the Ice Vault Arena, home of the Jersey Hitmen. And uh, what I go to a little spot here called Barty's Grill, Lucas, up in Pequannock, New Jersey. This is a 14-minute drive away from the Ice Vault Arena. So if you're coming down to the Hitmen Classic, this is a great place to get beer. And this is a supporter of the Dan K Show here. As Lucas, they just introduced, they just introduced to their outdoor patio setup, a little bit of an adult coffee setup right now. They've got Irish coffees, amaretto coffees anything you want and guess what they're doing them all iced in mason jars with a little bit of a fresh made whipped cream on top out of their own whipped can i had a little bit of that today it is delicious it is wonderful and it is one of a kind it's a great way to top off a great dining experience at barty's grill in pequannock new jersey you come out to the hitman classic hit it up the score lucas that i give it it was cold it was delicious and it was uh I would say amaretto forward. I went for the Italian coffee and I would say it was amaretto forward. The coffee was an afterthought. So if you're looking for that at the end of your day, I would give you an 8.2 on that one. If you're looking for the coffee taste, I give it a 7.7. We'll put it in the middle there. Let's go 7.9. 7.9 is a score. Barty's Grill though, the food, a 55 out of 10. Let's give it that because it is absolutely delicious. The garlic bread is my inside scoop. Get it right now. Best garlic bread you'll get anywhere. 
Ooh, that might have to be a um, maybe a little pre-golf meal with that early morning Friday round. Get in a little Thursday night dinner. Yeah. I'm always oh, yeah. down for some garlic bread. I'm saying right now, we get some garlic bread, we get a little bit of the iced coffee to top it off, and then we go golf in the morning and go hit a little bit of the uh, the Hitman Classic coming up on that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think we can make a whole full weekend out of it. That sounds like a plan to me. Now let's get into the big stuff here, Lucas. Let's get into the free skate. Let's start the conversation up. Let's introduce back in the man with the mind, the man with that never quit attitude, the guy who works as hard, if not harder, than the Dan K show. Every time we see this guy, he is battling, he is pushing, he is moving through the broadcasting world, the general managing world, the women's hockey world, the men's hockey world, the NCDC, collegiate ranks. He's doing lacrosse. He's any sport. This, If you want to talk about Lucas and I once did play-by-play on cheerleading. We've done play-by-play on field hockey. I've been my own cameraman before. I've been everything. This is a guy who's done all of that and more. From the Northern Cyclones, one of our favorite organizations in the country at any level, a group that gets it, a group where we've had multiple interviews. We've had an interview with a draft pick this year, had an interview with a head coach and Bill Flanagan. It's Alex Thomas. And, and Alex, we introduce you in and we tell you, thank you so much for joining us because we love when we get to talk hockey with you. I love talking hockey with you guys. It's always great. And that's how you can tell that it's almost that time again. And he gets to late August, hasn't felt like it, but now this is starting to feel like it. Oh, Alex, we're getting so close right now. I can taste the hockey, and Lucas keeps telling me, don't put my tongue on the ice. I get stuck every time. you got to bring out the hot water. It's a whole problem, but I can taste the hockey right now. Let's let's start. It's a free skate right now. We can keep this one loosey-goosey. What's going on up there in Hudson? What, what's been the thoughts up there? What have you guys been doing? I know you guys just put on a great summer showcase a ton of work went into that. You were sitting outside all day long getting things done, making sure that thing went smoothly. What's up in Hudson right now? Uh, you know, just like everybody else, you know, we're, we're going with the flow and we're adapting to the uh, ever-changing circumstances regarding COVID. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of disappointment, especially at the junior level with the way things ended uh, last season. You know, you had NCDC had their best regular season and uh, going into the playoffs as the sixth seed and looking to build off of the momentum from 2019. Uh, Elite was going into nationals and uh, all kind of came tumbling down. So it's been a, a pretty tumultuous, uh, it was tumultuous for able to deal with that situation. But, um, you know, I got to say that the organization has been great. Um, you know, there's a plan in place uh, for the organization to start the 2020-21 season on time with, with the rest of the USPHL. And, uh, you know, I think when, you know, we all look back on this situation. I think the way that it's been handled in Hudson and the way uh, that uh, that a plan's been devised here and uh, a way to keep the players and the staff safe, that I think they're going to look back at this and uh, be real proud of the way things have been handled during a crazy summer that hopefully we never have to endure <laughs> again at any level. Oh, I really hope not. I mean, this has been – this has just been such uncharted territory for everybody in the industry, whether it's on the scouting side, whether it's on the coaching side, whether it's – on the broadcasting side of the playing side, it's been such a one-of-a-kind offseason. Now, Alex, you are obviously, I mean, you've dealt with a lot of NCDC hockey over the last few years. And with this year being so unique, so different, the border being closed right now, what do you expect out of the NCDC this year? Because I know my thoughts on it. I think it's going to be an incredible year. But what do you expect? I mean, you've been watching guys on the ice every day right now. What do you think about this product right now? What do you think it's going to look like? The NCDC, what do you expect? I think it's going to be a great season. Um, 
you know, again, there's a lot of uncertainty, of course, with, you know, you mentioned the borders and uh, there, there's other situations going on in other junior leagues right now that you just don't know what the landscape's going to look like. But, uh, you know, I think the, the NCDC teams have a, have a real good idea of what their team's going to look like. Um, you know, I didn't get to see as much of the showcase as you mentioned, you know, being outside during most of it, but had a chance to watch some of the hockey and, you know, the skill level really, uh, really stood out to me. Um, you know, I've, I had a chance later that week to catch uh, a little bit of the main camp of the Cyclones, and I was really impressed with the the speed, the skill, the added size to that team. So I think you're going to be looking at a real good product this season. Um, you know, you look at recent seasons, and you, you go back just a couple of months now to March. It seems like it was so long ago, but I mean, look at the look at the last week of the season. I mean, you still had things being figured out in the last weekend. So I think it's going to be another tight season. Um, you know, I expect some pretty good hockey at all. At, you know, at every level of the NCDC this year. And honestly, I don't think you can look at one team, you know, in previous years you could. But I don't think you could look at one team in late August and say, well, that's the team that's probably going to win this when it's all said and done. I think there's a number of teams that have a chance. And I don't think it's as tiered as it used to be. And now, Alex, I mean, working with this Northern Cyclones team this year, getting brought on to a great organization, a great ownership group, great coaching group, great GM and Bill Wyan. I mean, it's it's a group that gets it both on and off the ice for the players, the organization through and through. I mean, we've talked to Bill Flanagan about yourself and he had nothing but incredible things to say. And he's excited to have you on. He's excited to see what comes from it. And you guys are working with each other on multiple projects, whether it's the elite women's summer hockey league that you just worked on, whether it's teams coming up in the women's game, whether it's the women's hockey tribune, whether it's the Northern Cyclones themselves and, and building this product here in Hudson, New Hampshire. What's it been like working with Bill? I mean, we always call him the torts of the NCDC. We always call him the John Tortorella of the NCDC. It's a guy, no nonsense guy. He'll call you out by the number rather than the name when you make a mistake and get you to fix it. Can, can you talk about working with Bill and what's it been like? Well, he talks to the media a lot more than Torts does, and he's certainly nicer <laughs> to the media. And I don't think he's going to be taking a big fine for not talking to us. But uh, <laughs> he talks to me all the time. That is true. That's <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's been um, it's been an interesting summer, as as I've mentioned, with everything going on. But um, you know, you don't have a successful off season through a pandemic like this without leadership. And, and again, it starts at the top, and I think we've seen that. Um, certainly behind the scenes, I've had a front row seat to seeing that. Um, and the fact that we were able to get the elite women's summer hockey league up and running in the middle of this, uh, not hit a bump in the road and be able to run off for the full schedule that we wanted to, uh, I, I think speaks to uh, the working relationship that we have. I mean, it's, it's the ability to get that going, get that done and, and run it at that successful level. And the things we've been able to do with the, with the Cyclones, um, you know, whether it's the alumni profiles and, uh, you know, you see what all these kids who have gone on to the NCAA level have to say about the program and, um, you know, talking to some of the academy kids and, and what drew them into coming to play in Hudson. And, and you can kind of see that organizational, I don't want to use the word culture, but it's kind of what it is from the top down. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to see that. We've been able to work on those projects. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed, too, is is the passion, right? Like, you mentioned the Elite Women's Summer Hockey League, and that came out from, yeah, and Bill stressed this, when, you know, this is going back before I was hired. I mean, we're talking months before then. Um, you know, the frustration at there not being any opportunities for, for some real high-level women to be able to play the game in the summer like there are for the men. And, 
you know, I, I've seen how he is completely backed and supported uh, the movement of, of the PWHPA, what he pours into that. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen it with, again, the EWSHL, the Women's Hockey Tribune, trying to give, um, you know, exposure to these women at the collegiate level on up through the professional level. And, um, and then you see that on a daily basis with the Cyclones too. It's really impressive. It really is. And, I mean, I watch the work you do, and obviously – the ability to bring a professional broadcast into the game as well is, is so important. That's part of being seen. I mean, we saw things with women's tournaments in the past, and I know, Alex, I'm sure you're tapped into this, where, I mean, broadcasts were done off of a, a security cam in the middle of the rink where you couldn't really see the game. There wasn't really that that feel. There wasn't the play-by-play. It was, it was empty. It was quiet. I mean, it, there's just the importance of someone like yourself in bringing and shining a light onto the game, whether it's at the NCDC level, whether it's the women's game, whether it's the elite women's summer hockey league, it's the importance to it. I think it gets missed sometimes in this game and it's starting to be seen day in and day out because of the work of folks like yourself. And I'm, I'm excited to get deeper into this dive deeper into us. But before that, I got, I got I always let the smart guys start the Q and a portion because questions and answers sound like a smart thing. I don't have many answers when people ask me questions. All right. That's, that's not something that Dan Kate does very well. What he does is I like to speak in Grangers. I like to yell. I use my hands a lot to talk. I am from New Jersey, but instead I turn it over to the smart guy, the resident smart guy, my right hand man, my consigliere, Mon Frere from another mayor. It's Lucas Jones to start off the Q and I'll be back because I'm sure I will get too excited, Lucas, and cut you off and jump in through the now. Thanks, Dan. And now we're back with the Q&A with Alex Thomas. And, you know, I want to start off with one of the things that, you know, sort of made me reach out to you to want to get your opinion and get your voice in the show in, in the first place here. You know, not just the, obviously, the, the longstanding working relationship that, you know, the Dan K show has had with you at championship games at various events, you know, throughout the country and throughout our time. Um, but it was the news that came out of the Northern Cyclones organization that the Northern Cyclones were going to be getting a dorm for their players. And those familiar with the junior hockey landscape, they know that billeting is an important and integral part of the experience and, and teams control the billeting and, and they find these families who will, you know, house and, and to some extent feed, take care of these, these young hockey players. And in some cases, these, these young men, um, but the Northern Cyclones have opted for a, a dorm this year. And I, I think, one of the things I thought when I first saw that was, huh, like that's really interesting. That's a really great idea, thinking outside the box. Um, Alex, maybe you could shine some light on on what you, positive aspects this will have for the the team, the players, and uh, you know your reactions to it uh, initially. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a it's a great addition, um, you know, and it just goes to show where ownership stands on giving the best possible experience. Um, while in Hudson, I mean, you, well, they own the the two rink facility, Hudson uh, in Hudson, rather Cyclones Arena, and of course, uh, the academy site as well. And then making this addition, I think, is is just major. Um, it's in nearby Nashua, New Hampshire, as well. So I believe it's only seven point seven miles away from both the academy uh, and the arena site, which is which is extremely convenient um, for everybody. There's going to be staff living on site as well. Um, you know, you'll have midget and junior players living there, and you know, it, it, you know, without going into the details of college, I mean, some of the best memories and friendships you make are, are in the dorm. So 
you know, you're going to have teams that are going to have the opportunity to live together, teams that are going to have the opportunity to really bond off the ice uh, that maybe they wouldn't get in, in, in a COVID world where people are going to be rushing in and out of ranks throughout the country throughout the year. They're going to have that opportunity. Um, you know, there, there's some big things that are involved as well. You know, you'll have, um, I believe, laundry is included uh, on site as well. And one of the things that I thought was, you know, we've heard the term bubble, right? Like how many times have we – whether it's watching the NBA or the NHL playoffs, you've heard that bubble freeze. Well, no, this is going to give the organization a, a real good chance to be able to provide these kids, not with a full uh, bubble. I mean, that's, that's going to be almost impossible to provide a full bubble, but you're going to be able to provide an extra layer of safety, uh, especially in these unprecedented times, which I think is, is major. Uh, and it's just one of the things that, you know, Bill Flanagan and the rest of the group have been able to do this off season, whether it's that, whether it's their, you know, the agreement with St. Joseph hospital to take that next step uh, for the organization and, and provide these things uh, for, for families who are going to be sending their kids across the country in some cases, um, you know, you have that opportunity to live in that dorm. I, I think it's a great addition, uh, especially right now. And then, you know, I think this is something that could be great, not just this year. You know, the goal is for this to be great moving forward. And the goal is for this to be a part of the Cyclones experience. And I think it's something that you'll see junior teams, um, not just in the USPHL, but throughout the junior landscape. Um, I, I think you'll see them follow. Yeah, and it's it's such a great idea. And you brought up a really great point, too, of of that dorm experience. I mean, I know that I'm still friends with a ton of people from my dorm. I was the uh, groomsman in a number of weddings of friends that I made out of that dorm experience. So in terms of creating that team, that team environment, it's one of those situations where it's, it's going to have an immediate impact for sure. Um, and great to see that there's going to be staff on site, laundry on site, all the amenities uh, to give it sort of that professional, bit of a professional atmosphere as well. Um, but I do want to talk about the players that will be filling that dorm now. You you mentioned that you had been able to see a little bit of the Cyclones main camp. You uh, got a chance to watch at least a little bit of some of the um, some of the action out there. Talk about how the Cyclones roster is shaping up because when this podcast is released, we're only about two to three weeks away from the start of the the NCDC season, or sorry, three to four weeks away from the start of the NCDC season. So how's the team shaping up? Can you compare it at all to last year, or or is this a completely different breed of guys? No, I th I think there's some comparisons that can be made uh, to last year's team, and I think that this group uh, is going to have a lot of skill. This group's going to be quick, but I also think this group uh, is going to be bigger, and I think this group could be tougher to play against as well. Um, you know, one of the things that a lot of teams try to do is is they try to outgun, they try to outskill, uh, you know, teams like the Hitmen, teams like the Junior Bruins, but you know, one of the things that I think Bill and Bill, Bill Squared, I guess, have done a great job of is uh, putting together a team that can that can do both. I mean, there's a lot of speed and skill in this team, but there's also size. They're real tough to play against. Uh, I think they're going to be a, a strong group defensively again. Um, you know, this is you know, Bill always gets his guys to buy in. Now, that's been a thing that since I've seen, I've seen rather, uh, since they joined the NCDC. Excuse me, these guys buy in. I mean, Dan says, you know, the torts of, of the USPHL, and, and I get that because you look at how these guys play. They're blocking shots. These guys are 100% committed. These guys are in, you know, every single practice, and that's where it starts. It starts in practice. There's that intensity, and you can see it every night in games. Um, I think one of the key things for this team is going to be starting off better than they have the last two years. 
Um, you know, they were outside of the playoffs in each of the last two years as you're approaching Christmas. In fact, I think they were last in the NCDC in 2018-19 going into the winter showcase. And in both years, they end up in the playoffs. I think a good start is going to be key for this team. Um, you know, they've, gonna, they've lost two key leaders, Will Gavin and, and Bryce DeFazio, who have moved on uh, to the NCAA level. Two great players as well. But, um, you know, there's a lot of returners from that team last year, guys that are, are, are real glue guys, that are good guys. Uh, in that locker room that are guys that have proven that they can produce, Uh, you know, and I think through their tenders and and through the draft, they've brought in a lot of talent um, that's going to give this team maybe a little bit of a look. You know, everybody's kind of used to the grinding Cyclones team coming in, and I think that identity is still going to be there. But I think you're going to be surprised early in the season by the speed and skill uh, that Bill Flanagan is going to be able to put out there. Yeah, and he he always manages to to just put such a great squad together and – I love that. I love that you described this year's team as bigger too, because I, I mean, the Cyclones have played the style of hockey that I always enjoy watching, and it's this this gritty, rough and tumble, this defensive style that block shots. But then you get down the other end, and they get that puck down the other end, and all of a sudden, it becomes this extremely skilled squad. It's like once they cross over that blue line, they become this this skilled team. Uh, and I think that's going to be something that other teams are going to be surprised about. Cause I know one of the things that, that has happened the last couple of years is the Cyclones have played spoiler quite a bit where this, this idea of, you know, fighting hard in the corners, grabbing the puck, going to the dirty areas, doing the things that other teams don't want to do has really helped them out. Um, and I think a lot of teams might be surprised by, by the, by the way the Cyclones come out of the gate this year, because I think you had, had sort of said it, Alex, is that, at the beginning of the season, we could try all we want as broadcasters, as personalities to figure out who's going to be on top. But especially in the NCDC, there's really no way to know. No, there isn't. And, and you know, I talked to Bill. This is going back now before the draft. Uh, so we're, we're talking early June. And one of the things we talked about, uh, and in the lead up to the development camp a month plus later, was, you know, I asked him, Bill, the starts of the last two seasons, you guys have been a little bit slow out of the gate, then you find your stride. And, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, in this league, sometimes it can be tough to to really hit that stride until sometimes November. Uh, He's not the only coach that's told me that. I'm sure you guys have heard the same thing. Like, you know, it takes time to figure out your roster. I think it was Dan that, that may have told me, like, once you get to the winter showcase, that's when you know what your team really is. And that's when you really start to see your team come together. And I know it seems like it's almost half the season, but, you know, you look at the way that the Cyclones have been in each of the last two years, and, you know, people sleep on them. And, and I was guilty of it, too, in, in, the, in the spring of 2019 when they came into Marlboro in the second round. And, you know, Lo and behold, the Bruins lose a 2-0 lead and lose game one in overtime, and all of a sudden their backs are against the wall. The Cyclones are 3-0, and and they've swept you know, the hitmen, and they're up 1-0 on the Bruins. And you know, They'll catch you napping if, if, you don't, uh, if, if you don't pay attention. And I think that they're on people's radar now after that uh, 2019 series victory. And you know, I, Again, I think they were poised to go on a run last year. You know, you know, Jim Henkel is, always puts together great teams down in Connecticut, and I wish we would have gotten a chance to see that series. But, um, you know, I, I think they could have went on a run last year too. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're a team that has home ice this year and if they're a team that can make a run. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know they're, one half of the Dan K show has never, ever slept on the Northern Cyclones. Uh, and it's not this half. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have been guilty of it from time to time. But I think Dan K is a resident Northern Cyclone aficionado, Northern Cyclone cheerleader. 
Uh, we need to get him a pair of Northern Cyclones colored pom-poms, I think, for this upcoming season with how much he's been talking about you guys. No, we'll see what we can do about the pom-poms. But uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I, like I said, I underestimated once because I got caught up in the seeding in 2019. And after that game one, it was, no, this, this team is for real. And that Cyclones team, Alex, we walked in, we were doing the games in the ice vault, and you just sensed it. You could see that the guys bought in. You talk about guys buying in behind Bill Flanagan. It's like you said, why, why I've always called him the torch of the, of the NCDC. It's not his likeness with the media. It's, it's how he gets every player to buy in. You look at from the skill guy to the fourth liner, to the, to the big time defenseman, the guys like Artie Borshaw from past years and the Bryce DeFazio is like DeFazio is a guy who he trades for from that hitman organization. And he comes over and he was always a big guy who just needed that last little bit of chiseling out of his game. And, and Bill got, got that out of him and he was getting there in Jersey and, and he would have gotten over that line, but something just clicked so quick in that Bill Flanagan system for him. And you always see it. You like to see a guy find the right system for himself. And you see guys when they get to coach Flanagan's system, realize that, Hey, I can make my name for my, for, I can make a name for myself in so many ways here, right? I can score the goal. I can block pucks. I can make the big hit. And the amount of times we've watched a guy come make his debut for the Northern Cyclones and put someone on the bench, right. Or put somebody into the boards or, or make a big hit or make a big block shot. And that's where the bench responds. That's a group of guys who buy in and they buy in in the right way. Yeah. And every Cyclones team I've seen has, has bought in, you know, this is going back to again, the, the 17, 18 season when they first came to the NCDC and the buy-in was there right away. You could see it in that first season and, and it hasn't waned in any way, shape or form. I mean, you know, I, I look at another thing too, is there's no, you know, there's no bias in terms of players like, oh, you know, you're going to play this role and you don't have to do this and you need to do this, but you don't have to do that. No, everybody's got to be pulling on the rope. And I think that's one of the things that's made his team successful year after year. Uh, that's made him a successful coach. That's made his players successful. The organization in terms of advancing players uh, to the collegiate level successful, it's that buy-in. I mean, you know, his resume speaks for itself. You know, and, and we put out something in February, and I, I think we put it back out today about the number of players that have moved on from the junior program to the NCAA. And, you know, these guys buy into that. Um, and it's not just at the NCDC level. They buy in at Premier. They buy in at Elite. I mean, heck, these guys buy in at Academy. This is – it's a culture, and it starts in the, from the top, and it works itself all the way down, and that's because there's leadership. I mean, you know, it's not often you see at the junior level both owners are in the trenches day in, day out. They're both behind the bench. They're, they're both running teams. They're both running practices, um, you know, and, and they're both fostering relationships with, with, with these players. And, you know, I think that goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, you look at Matt Irwin from the elite squad, one of our Dan K show favorite. This is a guy that tried to lead his team to elite title. And, and he's a, he's a starter freshman year at the division three level. And, and you look at it, it's, it's top to bottom. It's guys who can score guys who can block shots. Guys who, they don't, they're not one dimensional. It's so important when you get to that next level. We talked last week with the, the folks from the elite junior profiles, the, a new website that is helping players to find their right fits, whether at the junior level or the collegiate level of this game. And there's only so many spots. There, there's such a small percentage of guys who play the junior hockey game who make it to that NCAA level, who, who crack that ceiling and make it through. 
you can't be one dimensional and play at that level. You just cannot. It's a game with older skaters, bigger skaters, bigger players, guys who have been through it at all levels of the game. And you can't walk in there and say, this is who I am. You have to mold to what you are told you are going to be. You have to be ready to do just that. And Coach Flanagan is one of those guys who just, he sets you up on that path. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of kids who will, you know, come in with high skill levels and go to the junior level um, will believe that they're, I mean, maybe not the best phrase, but that they're old as spot. Right. And that's one of the things that I don't, like Bill doesn't believe in. He's very, very open with that. Is you know nothing's given. You have to earn everything. Uh, you know, and some guys might not like that in the moment, and, and some guys might not um, think that they're being put in the right role and that they should be higher up or that they should be on the top power play. But it's earned and it's not given. Uh, and, and from everybody that I've talked to, alumni wise, and this is dating back to April, so it's been almost five months now uh, as we barrel towards September here and every alumni that I have talked to that has gone on the play of the NCAA level might not have liked it in the moment, but they look back uh, at being forced to fight for everything and, and being forced to earn that role. And they will all tell you that that has made them better hockey players and they're all grateful for it. And they all credit that uh, for the success that they've had in reaching the collegiate level, which is an accomplishment on its own. Uh, and for the success that they've had in college. Um, and it doesn't matter what position. I mean, We've talked to goalies and, and defensemen and forwards, and they'll all tell you the same thing. Um, you know, that the coming to Hudson was a decision that made them a better hockey player, made them work harder, made them realize what it takes to get to the next level. And, you know, wins and losses are important, but I, I think that message to players and players advancing, whether it's, you know, Division One, Two, Three, whatever it may be, and having success – uh, and placing guys in college, I, I think that's the big thing. And I, I know both Bill and, and Joe Flanagan uh, are really proud of that, and they should be proud of that. And, you know, every time I get one of those emails, I, I, make, I make sure they read it because it's, it's something that you should be proud of. I mean, you get these kids to buy in. You get these kids to earn um, their roles, to earn their time, to, and, and it makes them better hockey players. It makes them better people too. And, and that's something that for the parents at home that are watching right now, listening along with us, I, I just – the importance of that in a player's development, in, in a human's development, I mean, it, it's so important to have the Bill Flanagan's, the Bill Wyans out there who are, are driving you to be more, right? To, to get you to that next level. And it's something that I talk about all the time. It's you have to earn your spot. And so many times in life, we want to take the easy road, right? We want to look around and we want to pick and choose, especially in the junior hockey world today, there's so many options out there. There's so many choices. There's so many teams. And we could pick the easy road. We could pick the spot where we know we got a top-line spot. I'm going to be the left winger. I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the one with the puck on my stick trying to score goals. I might go 2-30, and 30, but I'm going to be the guy who's scoring goals. I'm going to be putting pucks in the back of the net. But sometimes it's about the guy who's willing to fight, who's willing to dig through a roster, who's willing to – kind of open up a spot for himself and create that spot. And, and we say for herself too, especially with Alex Thomas on a women's hockey team, the person who's willing to battle their way and find their way, even in the toughest of situations, a lot of times when I'm a scout, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the guy that, or the girl who could play whatever role on my team, I need them to play. And, and we're getting that out of the Northern Cyclones year in and year out. And, uh, Alex, I want to turn the conversation now. 
We've talked about the Northern Cyclones. We love the Northern Cyclones, but I want to talk a little about you now. I, I think Lucas and I want to talk a little bit about broadcaster to broadcaster. Let's get into this thing. We had a chance to talk to Dan Bradley, who he talked a little bit about some rapping that he does to get himself ready for a broadcast. Do you have, a, do you have like a, a warm up for a broadcast day? Do you have anything you do to get yourself ready? What, what's kind of the go-to for Alex Thomas? We hear from players all the time what they do to get in the zone. You got a big broadcast day coming up. What are you doing? You know, that's a good question. I don't think I have like a, any kind of set routine. I mean, I got to have either a, a coffee or a tea. Uh, it's one of the two. Um, you know, I usually I'll talk to one or, or both coaches. Um, you know, it's a little easier to talk to the coaches at the junior level than, than it might be at the women's college level. Um, you know, we have the schedule meetings and, and all that. But, um, you know, it's just get a coffee, maybe listen to some music on the walk-in. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's a lot of prep done at the rink, just talking to, you know, if it's a Northeastern women's game, talking with the production team, trying to map everything out here. And this is, you know, we're talking – 5 30 5 o'clock for a 7 p.m puck drop trying to map everything out uh you know when it's when it's one of the ncdc or premier games that you're talking to the coaches trying to get a feel for it um you know seeing how these teams that maybe you haven't seen recently have been doing i mean it's pretty much you know it's it's lame but it's 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 pretty much just doing work get a coffee listen to some music and do some work there's no for me because i'm so used to running from a day job right to the rink where i you know, didn't really have time to, to put a routine into order. Oh, man, I, I feel you on that one. I, the amount of times that Lucas would have to meet me up at the end of the workday and race up to a, to a rink about six hours away to get a game broadcast. And sometimes you don't get to have a routine. Lucas has listened to me make up songs in the car and raps. And I have a, a few musicals that have not made it to Broadway, unfortunately, that I've made up along the way to get the voice and the vocals warmed up. Uh, when you broadcast like me, it's a little bit aggressive. I mean, I, I tend to, I tend to err more on the side of the uh, the Doc Emmerichs of the world than I do on the side of the uh, the Kirk Gowdies. But uh, with with that in mind, this is a question I love to kind of talk. I mean, to talk shop real quick with a broadcaster. I mean, I have my Mount Rushmore guys. I have I have those folks that I look at. Like when I look at a Mike Breen when he comes up with bang on the three pointer in a basketball game, you look at doc and you, you see the way he handles a hockey game and you, you see the way he handles what's going on, the eloquence and the way he speaks. Do you have a Mount Rushmore? I mean, who, who are your guys? Who, who is Alex Thomas's go-to when it comes to the broadcasting world? You know, I think the big one for me is, is, you know, Massachusetts guy. Um, you know, people don't know this about him, but also a Springfield college guy. Uh, is John Forsland. Um, and this is going back to his Hartford days. Like that was the first voice in the house. My, you know, my dad being a Whalers fan back in the day. So his voice was the voice that I remember growing up. And, um, you know, he followed the team to Carolina. My dad followed him to Carolina for a number of years. And, you know, when I got old enough and he kind of came back to the Bruins side, once all the Whaler connections were gone, you know, Forsland was still the guy you'd always listen to. And, um, you know, that's the only time I would, actively listen to the opposing team broadcast when watching an Oilers game when I knew John Forsman was doing the other game. And it's been a, a joy to listen to him on NBC the last couple of years. Um, he's just, he's real professional in what he does. And I think he's got a great voice. He's got the sayings down. He, he's not too serious, but he brings that professional vibe to it. Uh, and I've always enjoyed his work. You know, it's, it's guys like him, uh, Chris Cuthbert, who's now up with Sportsnet, uh, Gordon Miller, who used to be TSN, is now doing a lot of work for NBC. I think those are the three big um, NHL guys that I kind of look to and, and kind of take things from. Um, 
you know, a guy that's personally impacted me a lot and I put him on my Mount Rushmore is, is, uh, no, a good friend of mine is, is Andy Zilch, who works out for the San Diego Gulls in the AHL. And I worked with him in 2015-16 with the Coyotes affiliate out in Springfield, Mass. at the time. And um, you know, learned a lot from him. Um, became a better broadcaster working from him. Have become a better broadcaster being a, a friend of his since then. Um, you know, he's done a lot for me as a friend. He's done a lot to help me with my career. Done a lot to help me improve with my career. Um, so I think those four are, are kind of the big four that I take things from. I mean, there are other guys like Brendan Burke now with the Islanders is just outstanding. Uh, and I think he's the next big, big thing in, in terms of broadcasting, just a young guy who's done an excellent job um, throughout his career. So I think those are the guys that I really look to and, and kind of take things from when I listen to them. And that answer right there, by the way, is the, the reason why we get along, Alex, this is what, this is why we do a good job because that is, that is a deep dive. I and mean, you're going in, I, I love Gordon Miller, but I mean, that, that is, that is a dive right there for some folks at home. I mean, for the folks who aren't tapped in every day to the hockey world, it's, that's what it comes from though. That's where, I mean, for me, I think about that. I, I've talked about it before the Harry Callis, the that's a deep drive, the left center field with the Phillies back in the day, singing about rubber tree plants. I was a Yankee fan and I tuned into at least 80 Philly games a year just to listen to his voice. And you, you think about those, those little moments in your career where you see these folks that kind of just, they see the game a little differently. And Forsland is a guy who sees the game just differently than everybody too. I mean, that when you can feel when somebody's composing and when somebody's broadcasting, and I like to give tips because we have a lot of broadcasters who watch us too. And a lot of younger guys throughout the NCDC, the USPHL Premier League and who watch us and, and learn as they go and you look at it i mean there's a difference between broadcasting and composing a game and having having a cadence and having a way that you are introducing a fan to a game you you look back in the day at vince scully and you look at what vince scully would do this guy would break up the program in 11 nothing blowout and read about a guy's hometown and tell you small facts about tuscaloosa like this is this is what you would get out of vince scully and Everybody has to have their way of doing it. And the folks who make it to the next level are those with their own brand. And Alex, man, I, I just, I love the brand you put out there. Folks, if you haven't listened to Alex yet on hockey TV, you absolutely have to. You better be checking in on Northern Cyclones games this year. This is a guy who ends up on every team's broadcast at some point in the season. Alex, the amount of times that we bump in the parents throughout the country on the road who ask us where you are, when we are calling the game is I cannot count it on a billion hands. I just want you to know that because you talked about with the coaches needing to see the emails from the, from the players that reach out from their past with the Northern Cyclones. There are parents throughout this country that when they know you're on their kids broadcast, they are absolutely stoked. Well, I, mean, I appreciate that. And, you know, I love, I love doing it obviously. And I think, you know, it's funny that you say that because I go back to, um, I go back to the Springfield college days and, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it was a D3 football game we were doing, and we didn't know how many people were going to be watching. But whatever, you know, we do our thing. And then at the end of the season, you know, you've got parents coming from all over the place that, you know, will come up and, and thank you for, for, you know, putting their kid on, on the air and that they can watch and stuff like that. And I think that's when you realize, like, you know, I've, I've talked to people who said, oh, you know, you did those games, but, you know, how cool is it going to be when there's a, you know, a big audience? It's like, you know, for me, it's, doesn't necessarily even need to be that. I mean, you know, the parents are watching, you know, this is that this broadcast means something to a lot of people. Uh, and, and, you know, I think you guys do a great job of this as well. It's, 
you know, you know, this broadcast means something to people. So you're going to give it 110%. And um, I think that's the best compliment you can get is, is when parents and family members and, and players reach out and say that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that's, that's, it's gotta be one of the best parts of the job, right. Is, is getting that sort of in person and, you know, even when it can't be in person, even over, over the, the power of Twitter, right. We have been, I don't know, we, we should almost keep a tally of how many times we've been corrected by name about names on Twitter versus in person, Dan, because I think it might be interesting to figure out, like, it, it would be fun. I think to, to see, Hmm. Do people feel more comfortable in person or I don't think we ever had someone tweet to us from the rink at least. So that's gotta be. Lucas, I, I never, I never like to throw anyone under the bus, but I'm going to throw someone under the bus right now. It's every coach. Okay. Anytime we get corrected and Alex can agree with this. Anytime we get corrected on broadcast on hockey TV, I will tell you 99% of the time we have gone down. We have confirmed that name pronunciation and then it is wrong. So do <laughs> when we get yelled at, and we get chirped, whether in person or via tweet. We are happy about it. We thank you for it. And we want you to know that we have tried our best. I, I, I got to say, uh, you bring that up, and it makes me laugh because you know, I'm not going to throw the city. I mean, this is a football story, so I'm not going to throw the town in Massachusetts under the bus. <laughs> but I, I was the um, MIAA. I want to say it was a semifinal, so a chance to go play at Gillette. And the coach came up and gave me the depth chart and said, you know, this is who's playing. It's a smaller school as well. So there's not a ton of kids on the team. And we're announcing the first quarter. And I kid you not, the door to the booth swings open. And it's the running back's dad fuming that, you know, we're saying the wrong kid's name. Finally, we get to go to a break. I look at it and go, you know, your head coach gave me this. This is the name he put there. I mean, if, if you want to correct it, great. But please don't break the door down. I, I don't own this. I want, I want to still get paid. So, you know, I, I found that story funny and I always laugh looking back at that one. And, you know, I would rather just be corrected on the name than have the door blown off. Oh, it's the worst feeling in hockey. I, I called a uh, Marcus Turner, Ma I called Marcus Turner, Marcus Turner. And the whole time I was missing out, I was like, I told his family, I was like, I'm sorry. I wish I knew it was Mac's turn. I called a call. I could have called him the Mac truck and net the whole time. The kid put up two shutouts. <laughs> I mean, I missed out on an opportunity. So I, I, I was like, this isn't my choice. Trust me. You know, and it's one of those things that when we had the Elite Women's Summer Hockey League, we made sure, um, you know, that every girl who signed up individually, we would have them send us the proper pronunciation of their name uh, and make sure that, you know, I would – personally uh what's the word I'm looking for confirm it with them when they would come into the rink because you know again i i see a lot of people blaming the broadcasters and sometimes you know the broadcasters aren't giving that information or giving wrong information and people don't realize that but well there's been a lot of of broadcasts especially at the women's level where you know some pretty big names have been actively done wrong so that's something that you know and i know you guys are the same way that you know it's really important to make sure you get those names right and at least make an effort into it you're never going to be a hundred percent. Trust me. I know, but um, no, that's one of the things that I, I always really make sure. And I know, you know, I know you guys are in the same boat that, you know, that that's something that I kind of, we, I can say we kind of pride ourselves on. Yeah, I think so. And, and it's funny. I know, I know I've got one more question for you, Alex, but I do have a, my favorite name pronunciation story, Dan and I, and I cannot remember the team. I'm sure Dan does. Cause he's got the brain for it. Lucas Roy. And we saw R O Y on a hockey sheet, and we thought, "Oh man, this is 
this is the easiest thing. This is an open net shot. This is empty net five feet away. We got this. We spend the whole first period calling him Lucas Wah. And we get corrected, I believe, over Twitter. Like, hey, it's just Roy. And we go, you have got to be joking. Of the one time that we thought we had an easy one laid up for us, got it wrong. And, and Lucas is from, uh, is from the province of Quebec, too. So you would yep. think you know, that that would be it. Because that one got me, too, uh, doing games with the Junior Bruins. <laughs> um, and and to, to make matters even funnier for you, he did play 45 games with the Cyclones last season. <laughs> did start the year with the Islanders, I will say. So it could have been with IHC. Uh, he played early in the season there, but he did uh, finish the season with the Cyclones because I did the same thing uh, yep. and got confirmation from from Bill Flanagan uh, back in December. Yeah, and, and now I want to move in. I think I've got one more thing that I, I, I kind of wanted to ask you because I think one of the things that we deal with, especially now in this very online, very digital world, is this free flow of information. But it's a free flow of information that, is not always 100% accurate, right? And and the upside to, and the downside of it is that kind of anyone can just throw a thought out there and and it all sort of has equal weight. So I wanted to ask you as a broadcaster um, who's done a ton of games, not just for the Bruins, not just for your your team now, the Cyclones, but for, for a bunch of teams, hired at showcases, playoff events, et cetera. How has the USPHL, and I think more specifically the NCDC, improved over the years because for a league that is only a few years out from its inception, it seems like the quality of play has grown leaps and bounds. The college commitments that have come out of the NCDC as well as the USPHL continue to be some of the biggest in the entire junior hockey landscape. So how has the league improved over the years in your eyes from what you've seen? Oh, I, I think the, uh, I think the league has improved leaps and bounds. I mean, going back to my first season uh, when Premier was the top division in 2016-17. And, um, you know, there was a couple of teams that you knew coming in, you had to do extra prep. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to throw those teams. We're no longer in the league, but you know, back from five years ago under the bus. But, um, you know, there were some games you knew were going to be tougher to broadcast than others. Uh, and that was just a reality of it. And that's not the case with this league. Um, you know, even from the first season on, you kind of had the remnants of the big three with, with the uh, Hitman, the Islanders Hockey Club. It was just a wagon in those two seasons, 16, 17, and 17, 18. Uh, and the Junior Bruins, I mean, those were kind of the big three, and then everybody was playing for, for fourth, for fifth. But that's not the, I mean, that's not the case anymore. I mean, you look at, you know, you still have those three teams are very good teams, but, you know, you look what Jim Henkel's built with the Connecticut Junior Rangers and, and you know, Bill Flanagan brings the Cyclones into the NCDC and what they've been able to do uh, on a yearly basis. You know, Ryan Frew in, in the way that the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs who, um, you know, made the playoffs in each of their first two seasons, the competitiveness that they've brought into the league. Uh, Twin City jumps into the league and, you know, they get knocked out of playoff contention on the last day of the regular season. Um, you know, PAL was just an outstanding team this year that, that took a huge uh, step forward and had all kinds of skill and in, in, uh, two really, really good goaltenders. I mean, Bill, you look at it now and, and you know every game's going to be competitive uh, and even teams that missed the playoffs last year. I mean, you look at Utica and, and um, you know, even last year, the Boston Bandits. I mean, you look at those two teams and you knew they were going to play hard every night. You knew they were going to give you a tough time every single night. Um, and you knew they weren't going to be easy outs. And those teams very easily could have made the postseason last year if a couple of things uh, broke differently. So 
to me, I think the league is filled with parity. Um, you know, I said it earlier. I don't think you can look now and we're recording this in, in August. I, I don't think you can look now and say there's one definitive favorite uh, to, to win the, the championship at the end of the year. And again, look back to 2019 that everybody had the hitmen, myself included, um, at least going to the championship and they end up getting swept in the first round by the eighth seed. So that's the kind of parity that you have in the league now that, you know, back in 16, 17, and even the first year of the NCDC in 17, 18, you didn't have. Um, and so I think that's a credit to, to the league as a whole, the leadership of the league and, and the league's member teams of the way they've been able to build their teams and um, showcase the talent and, and, you know, bring the NCDC to the forefront. And I think it's only going to get better. And, you know, the way that the league is navigated through the pandemic and, you know, being able to start the season next month, I think that's only going to strengthen the league's standing. And you look at this Twin City Thunder team you brought up too. I think there's going to be a nice little rivalry there between the Thunder and the two New Hampshire squads with the Monarchs and the Cyclones. Just the idea of Dan Hodge jumping in behind the bench now. This is a guy who made an absolute career out of being a gritty, no-nonsense defenseman who went out there, made things happen, took up space on the ice, finished his checks. Every shift was big time with this guy. And He's going to bring in that same Bill Flanagan buy-in mantra. And then you're going to have Ryan Frew, who's going to have the speedsters out there trying to run around him, you know, trying to skate around these guys right now. It's going to be a very interesting triangle up there in that in the greater north of the USPHL and the NCDC. I can't wait to see it. We're going to get into the academic corner in a second. But the final question of the Q&A, Alex, is where we close out each and every Q&A with our representatives. And this time, I'm going to talk about the Northern Cyclones with you. I got to ask you. I, we have parents and players that watch from around the country and, and they ask us about their next steps, how to make that right choice. In, in this situation, I want to ask you, why the Northern Cyclones? You've been there for a few months now. You worked with the great Bill Wyan, the great Bill Flanagan, the whole, the whole family there with the Northern Cyclones. Why choose the Northern Cyclones? Why is that my next step? And why should, why should I be looking at the Cyclones as, as the destination of my journey in junior hockey? You know, I've, I've had the chance to see a, a bunch of different organizations at, at every level from, you know, whether it's hockey or different sports, whatever it may be, um, you know, and, and there's a difference in Hudson. There really is. I mean, these are people, again, you have your two owners who are in the trenches uh, day in and day out who are coaching the NCDC and elite teams, Bill, Bill and Joe Flanagan. And, um, you know, you have, in my mind, the hardest working GM uh, in junior hockey and in Billy uh, running the show with, with NCDC and elite and he's behind the bench in premier and he does an excellent job. And, you know, I have never seen somebody work as hard as he does on, on a daily basis. And um, you know, the way that he fights to, to get you know college coaches to make sure that they're there and to make sure that these players have exposure. Um, you know, it's, it's just a difference. Um, you know, there's always going to be coaches watching you. Um, you know, you know that you're going to be playing for a program that has a great reputation with a number of colleges throughout the country, um, you know, and location's key too. I mean, you're going to be playing in Hudson, New Hampshire, which is, you know, I, I what, 15 minutes over the Massachusetts line, if that, and you're going to have all these schools, whether it's the, you know, the big group of division one schools in Boston or, or the other schools spread throughout the New England area, who are going to be able to be there and see you. You're going to play competitive hockey um, and you're going to develop not just as, as, as a player, but as a person as well. And I think that's so important because, you know, the odds of anybody making the NHL, no matter where you're coming from, uh, are they're minimal. You know, it's very rare. People don't realize that the odds of going pro um, are, are tough, uh, you know, and, and when you go and play 
at the junior hockey level, you know, you're looking to advance your career to the NCAA. And I, you know, to me, there's no program that fights harder to make that happen for their players. And, and I, you know, again, the numbers don't, don't lie. I mean, you look at 2019 and they led, um, you know, junior, junior teams in terms of commitments. And I think that really speaks to the effort that they put in. I love it. Incredible work by Alex Thomas. Alex, hold on to your parting words here. I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. I'm going to put you on the spot on the NHL side because Lucas and I both have a Stanley Cup pick. And it's looking a bit shaky right now, all right? So we're going to probably ask you for that before your parting words. But before that, we remind the players at home and the parents that your, your hockey experience throughout the younger levels, the midget game, the, the junior game, is it's not just about what happens on the ice. It's about what happens off the ice and in the classroom. And in such an interesting world, in such a one-of-a-kind off-season and schooling system year, we go to our expert in schooling, our expert in education, and our expert in academics, Lucas Jones, for his academic corner this week. Well, Dan, this week I, I thought I'd take a little bit of a left turn because we've, we've talked about quite a bit in the last few weeks, but I always like to keep it current with what I'm dealing with as an academic tutor, as a college advisor. Um, but this case, the left turn is, is me as a sports fan and as an advocate for these players. And my signature sort of advice for today is to be responsible. Now, I know it's cliche. And normally, uh, you know, being responsible is so cliche and so broad that you'd almost just be like, yeah, 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 be responsible. I get it. But we live in very different times. And responsibility, in this case, is directly tied to your ability to play the game of hockey. We have a pretty set idea of, you know, what certain things sort of look like right now. Those things may change. But the personal responsibility for the individual player to keep yourself safe, to keep yourself healthy, to act in accordance with kind of the ways that we think we should be acting in terms of dealing with the, the coronavirus and making sure we get to play the game of hockey. We see some baseball players who have unfortunately contracted coronavirus and, you know, have unfortunately been able, teams have lost games. Uh, players are, are going to be sitting out for an, a number of days. So I think the biggest thing here is that responsibility has a, is not so nebulous of a concept. Responsibility right now is a very hard, easy to grab concept. It is the idea of keeping yourself safe to keep the rest of your team safe, your season safe, and your development safe as you work through this junior hockey season. Another great academic corner from Lucas Jones. This one, this time I didn't feel like I was being yelled at it that much. Like I usually you're yelling <laughs> at me this time. I mean, actually responsibility. I don't know. I, I try to be responsible, but luckily we have Lucas on the show to make me uh, extra responsible, but we go to a guy who's super responsible, Alex Thomas. And Alex, you're going to be, you're going to be responsible for being the smart NHL guy in the show right now okay because your Oilers are out of it so you don't have to have allegiances anymore we can kind of sit here we can we can pick through it Lucas and I so Lucas had the Columbus Blue Jackets making it to the finals which I thought was insanity he did I will tell you had the New York Islanders playing those Blue Jackets to get to the Stanley Cup finals which is looking a little smart right now he had the Avalanche winning it all. I had the Avalanche winning it all against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was my day one pick, opening day of the season, on air on the Dan K show. So uh, what are you seeing right now, Alex? Obviously, the Avalanche not looking great. That Dallas Stars team has no quitting it. 
What are you seeing right now? What do you expect out of this postseason? Well, the, the team that I think is just on a different level right now is Vegas. I mean, you know, they benefited from a favorable matchup against Chicago in that first round and made quick work of it. Uh, and honestly, I think they get a pretty favorable matchup here in the second round with Vancouver. Because, I mean, look, that team has a ton of young talent, but um, you know, they were outplayed for most of that series by St. Louis, and the Blues just couldn't get a consistent goaltending. Jacob Markstrom is a great goalie uh, who I don't think gets enough love. Um, so, you know, I wasn't surprised that even though they were outplayed, they were able to find their way by St. Louis. Look, you're not going to find that hole in the armor, no pun intended, on the Golden Knights when you're going up against Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. So I think Vegas is on a different level right now. Uh, and, and honestly, I think they're going to cruise uh, to the Stanley Cup final representing the Western Conference. But um, no, my pick at the start of the season was Tampa Bay. Um, you know, they started off slow. I doubled down on Tampa Bay in November. Um, you know, we'll see if they can find a way past the Bruins who look really good, uh, right now as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with, with my, uh, my pre bubble pick and I'll say Tampa knocks out Vegas in the Stanley Cup and, and wins their second. But, you know, Lucas, that's a great call with the Islanders. Cause man, they look good right now. And Philly's a team that everybody's on the wagon for, but they didn't look that good against Montreal to me. I don't see them beating the Islanders and, the way the Islanders play, they could go on a deep run here. Well, I think the the one thing that I had said to Dan when we were picking this on the podcast was two things. I was picking on the back of goaltending and defense, but the other thing was with those those round those, those seeding games to give Philadelphia that high seed. That's not a lot of data points to be really automatically going. Oh yeah, well of course they're they're this seed that seed. You really only had three games to determine that, and so looking at them as the number one, I kind of thought. Oh, that's, that's a little interesting. I don't know if I would have believed that, especially like you said, on the back of their actual in-game performance. Yeah. And I mean, for me, Barry Trotz is just, he's the guy for me. I mean, I, I love him as a coach, um, you know, and, and one thing with the Islanders too, and it pains me watching Jordan Eberle do what he's doing right now. But when you get that kind of production from your secondary guys behind Matt Barzell, uh, you know, that makes them such a dangerous team. I've been circling back to what you said about the seeding games. I mean, you've had the Boston Bruins openly admit that they treated those like preseason games. There's no home ice advantage in, in these playoffs. So I agree with you. It's tough to look, oh, they're the one seed. I, I don't necessarily buy that. I mean, the Bruins won the President's Trophy. I think they're a better team than Philly. Um, I think Tampa's better than Philly. So I don't look at Philly as like, oh, that's the one seed. This would be a big upset if the Islanders won this. No, I, I don't think it would be. In fact, I think they're pretty evenly matched teams. And you look at it, too, in this bubble scenario, the way the Islanders are playing the game right now under Barry Trotz, it's getting pucks deep and it's getting to it. It's getting after it. It's getting it in the places where you can go after it, play the puck, and get the puck in front of the net to try to put shots on goal. And they're getting enough goaltending, too, in the back end. They play defense. They block shots. And in this bubble scenario, what you're going to see, folks, is what you see in a showcase weekend. I know this is a longer version of it, a much longer version of it. But think about what you see in a three, four-day showcase up in Marlboro or anywhere else in the country. By day three, by day four, there's just certain times where you just – it's not always about guys buying in or not. Sometimes they just don't have anything in the tank. Sometimes it's just been a tiring week. Sometimes living out of a hotel takes more out of you than you think. And these guys are going to be living out of a hotel for months, not weeks, months. And when you play the style of game that the Islanders play, it really simplifies – 
what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to do. And Vegas does the same thing. They get goaltending. They get pucks in. It's four lines banging. They play a physical game of hockey, and they just they just are relentless. And when you play that style of hockey, when it's a team game for you, it just wears folks down, and we're seeing that right now. I mean, even in the Avalanche, I mean, how many times have you seen two games in this series against the Dallas Stars? Every highlight I have seen has been from the Avalanche scoring. They're down 2-0 in the series. So skill doesn't always play out. And in a bubble scenario, in a showcase, it's not always skill. Sometimes it's the guys who are just willing to grind it out. Exactly. And, and I think you're seeing that. And, um, you know, I think it's a big reason why a team like Montreal was able to beat a team like Pittsburgh. I mean, these are shorts. These are long series and short time spans. It's not necessarily going to be pretty. I mean, the ice isn't going to be pretty either, uh, you know, when you're the third game at 1030 at night. So it's that's exactly the, the way I've been looking at it. And, you know, for a little bit there at the beginning of uh, COVID, when they were talking about going to North Dakota, and I was wondering if they might just put this whole thing out in Marlboro. <laughs> yeah, I saw the jokes out there. I don't know if you saw those, Alex, but there were some great jokes about the NHL and Gary Bettman missing out on just the purest of hockey, an 8.05 a.m. puck drop between Patrick Kane and, and Nathan McKinnon on rink eight at the Nesson. That was what we missed out on, on dirty ice, too. Dirty ice warm-up. If we could have camped out at the, uh, the hotel across the street, we could have been part of the bubble. Oh, the Olive Garden's right down the street. Just make sure it's involved. That's it. You know, I've never gotten to that Olive Garden. I'll have to check that out. You're missing it out. You're missing out. I've been there <laughs> one time, but not on purpose. I, I just accidentally showed up there. <laughs> With that in mind, though, let's get to our parting words. It's been an incredible show with an incredible guest, Alex Thomas, the unofficial third man of the Dan K show here when it comes to broadcast and when it comes to getting on the road here. And, and Lucas, we start with you. I know you got to have so much in your mind right now, you know, the NHL, with hockey coming back when it comes to the junior hockey level, the NCDC. Alex Thomas on the show today. Lucas, let me hear that eloquent parting words, those eloquent words from you right now. No crickets this week. That's exciting. There were crickets on this end, Lucas. There's some heavy winds here. I'm getting a li- little bit of a thunderstorm outside. But great words from Lucas. Now let's go to Alex Thomas, who always has the right thing to say. Alex, your parting words for the folks at home watching the Dan K Show presents Junior Hockey. Uh, you know, just it, this year is going to be uh, a different year. Um, you know, and, and I, I just want to stress that I, – you know, everybody's going to need to be patient, um, you know, and understand that as organizations and as a league, we're going to be doing everything possible to make this happen um, on the media side of it. You know, I, I know we're going to do everything we can to, to bring the product like it's a normal day. But, um, you know, I just want to stress that that patience to parents, you know, I've been really impressed with going back to the showcase back in the summer at, at Cyclones Arena and, um, you know, with the parents that, that we've talked to that the understanding of that and, um, you know, I, listen, I know these times aren't fun for everybody, but, um, you know, if we take these extra steps, we take these precautions, we stay patient, we'll be able to have hockey back this, uh, this winter. And, um, you know, we'll be able to enjoy that in, in, in this kind of new normal. Um, you know, and one last thing I want to add is, um, you know, if you get the chance, you know, I know it's, it's been in the news, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons with, with some comments uh, that have been made by, by some broadcasters, but, you know, if you get a chance as well to support the, you know, the women's game, um, whatever it may be, whether it's your local college, whether it's, it's the youth program, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's the professional level, you know, it's a great product. Um, we've been doing a lot of work with it in Hudson. Um, 
you know, we've been trying to create that exposure. Quite frankly, they deserve that exposure. And I just wanted to make a note, you know, you'll, you'll have the pro, you'll have the college season starting up uh, hopefully in the next little while. And, um, you know, if you have the chance, I know it's, it's tough right now, but if you have the opportunity to support them, um, you absolutely should. And it's great for the growth of the game. And Alex, we love the work you're doing out there. And we also wanted to say we've been working on a little thing called the Dan K Show Presents Hockey is for Everyone. And that's something that we'd love to work with you guys on as well and would love to have a conversation, love to get some great minds from the women's game on and, and put together a group similar to what we've done in the past and really, really talk about the game, where the next steps are, how we grow it. And folks, make sure to get out and watch the women's game each and every time out, I will tell you. It is some of the best hockey out there. I got a chance to be in St. Louis at the NHL All-Star game this past year, and they had the three-on-three USA-Canada matchup, and I was on the edge of my seat. It was the most exciting portion of the night. I was locked in. I mean, I would love to see a five-on-five matchup, but the 3v3, was just, it was just incredible to watch, and, and Alex, I know you know it's the game is there, and, and the only thing it's missing is the, the eyes and the, the opportunity, right? It's the eyes from the yeah. viewership to allow more young women to see themselves in these athletes, to see the opportunities that are there for them. And now for the opportunities to meet that as we show more people, what the women's game is that ice hockey is a choice for young female athletes. We also have to give them the opportunities to play it. And the work you guys are doing out there is absolutely incredible. We thank you for it. Well, we'd love to work with you guys as well. So that's definitely something that, uh, you know, as we kind of battle towards the season here, that that's something that I think would be great. Um, you know, and I, and I couldn't have said it better. I mean, the audience is there. Now it's just time to get it uh, accessible for all those eyes. Love it. Absolutely love it. Let's go to Dan Kay's parting words here. And, and mine, I always like to keep them in line with a, a guest each week. I'm going to use the word branding. And, and that might sound like an interesting word to some folks at home. Like we think of a brand and I'm not talking, I'm not asking you to be A-Rod Corp here. All right. I'm not asking you to be the, the big name, the big personality every time out. But we all have a brand that we output every day, whether it's it's helping someone out, whether it's it's carrying something for someone, whether it's working hard on the ice, whether it's working hard in the classroom, whether it's going out and slacking off at an opportunity where we could have done something more. We're building a brand for ourselves every day. And, and as important as a brand is for a Coke or a Pepsi, it's important for a Dan Kay, a Lucas Jones, an Alex Thomas or a skater on the ice and the parents as well of that skater. We all have a brand. We all have this vision that we create of ourselves for those out there, whether it's a scout, a coach, or anyone in this world, you got to pay attention to your brand each and every day. So what I ask you to do is really think about it, write it down, you know, put it on a piece of paper, look in the mirror, talk to yourself about it and, and figure out what is my brand? What do I want? that college scout to think about me, that junior hockey coach to think about me, that broadcaster and Alex Thomas to think about me. For our young broadcasters out there who are watching today to, to hear from Alex Thomas, to hear from us, you got to ask yourself, what do I want a viewer at home to think about me? You think about the great broadcasters, the great hockey players, they all have their niche. They all have their composition and how they create the story. Create your own story. Do not allow others to tell it for you have your brand be there be ready hockey's coming keep watching those nhl playoffs and get yourself prepped because the ncdc is coming in hot we think alex thomas the man the myth the legend the voice of the northern cyclones for coming on in remember to watch the remember to read up 
on women's hockey with the women's hockey tribune you can follow them on twitter there follow them along and make sure to read up on the game itself keep an eye out for the elite women's summer hockey league coming up next year the professional women's hockey association make sure to watch out for those games at the ncdc coming up this year the USPHL, make sure to watch those Northern Cyclones, Bill Flanagan, Bill Wine, and the Cyclones with Alex Thomas behind the mic are going to have a huge season. Watch it all. Keep up with it. If you want to be a guest in the next Dan K Show, reach out to us at www.dankshow.com. We thank the United States Premier Hockey League for being our big-time, big-time sponsors this week on the Dan K Show. And I thank Lucas Jones for, as always, giving us beautiful parting words and being the brains behind this that actually makes these things go out. Because if it wasn't for him, I would have just called Alex on the phone and shouted at him about hockey for an hour and a half and no one would ever heard it. So when Dan came from the mic, it is always hockey night. Keep watching.